This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. I want to invite you to head over to somebodycares.org. There a screen is going to pop up. You'll enter your information and then you can choose what content you'd like to receive from us. Resources available are Doug Stringer's teaching, prayer ministry, our Monday morning encouragement called Provoke a Thought, or Somebody Cares Updates. If the box doesn't appear as you open up somebodycares.org, simply scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll see a place to enter your email there. Have you sensed the shakings around you? This is the episode for you, so stay tuned. You will hear about three things that God will do during these shakings and why it is better to have a heart awakening than a rude awakening. Let's lean in and listen today. Today I'd like to touch on revival by choice or by circumstance. I truly believe that we as a church are at a crossroads A few years ago, on a radio program, I was asked if I thought God was going to bring judgment or revival to America. I paused just for a moment and I replied, both. God is going to bring revival to His people, and it will either come by choice or by circumstance. You see, we are at a crossroads as a nation and as the church. The choices we make today will determine our future and the future of so many others. It says in Isaiah 2, verse 2 through 4, and also in in Micah chapter 4, 1 through 3, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Now interestingly, when I look at both of those chapters of Isaiah 2, and Micah 4, they both start verbatim exactly the same. But one, I believe, ends with a challenge of a revival by birth or by choice, and the other by shaking or judgments or circumstances. And now, interestingly, both those chapters in Isaiah 2 and Micah 4 talk about the time that they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And then nations shall not lift up sword against nation, Neither shall they learn war anymore. And I think, wait a minute, we're in a time where there's so much divisiveness, nation against nation. We see so much challenges globally from pandemics to wars and rumors of wars. So what is it talking about? It's talking about in the church, all nations shall gather together. I believe through God's church, God's people, we will turn our weapons of warfare against each other into harvesting tools together. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. That's taking weapons of warfare and turning them into harvesting tools together. It's in that context in the church that nation 
shall not lift up sword against nation, because all nations shall gather at the mountain of the Lord or in the church. Now, of course, the context of that is literally in Jerusalem, that we know that out of Zion that all nations shall gather. But I also believe as the latter days approach that we as the church are a type and shadow also of what it should look like to cross our racial, denominational, generational lines, people from all nations and backgrounds worshiping together. And as the world is divided, as the world has divisiveness, as the world has challenges, we the church should let the light of Christ shine in us in such a way that the world will see that we are one. You see, I've taught over the years to those of our young believers that come to Christ through our ministry that true revival will first be revival of holiness and consecration in us. It starts with us. We're called to the ministry of reconciliation. We're called to be those who are true witnesses who rescue lives and save souls together. We have far more in common than that which divides us. We need to quit fighting each other, put aside our weapons of war against each other, and turn them into harvesting tools together. Over the years, I've often prayed, Lord, how are you going to set your church ablaze with a hunger for your presence and your holiness? We can say we want revival and we want the church to work together to be a part of the harvest, yet at times our actions speak contrary to our message. What will it take to bring a lasting revival to our land. There's nothing wrong with going to church services or gatherings and having the Lord minister to us in a way that makes us feel good or or feel blessed. But there's more to revival than that. In fact, there are times when our need is not for something to make us feel better or feel good. Actually, before we can have genuine times of lasting refreshing, there must be times of repentance, authentic consecration of our hearts before God in humility and recognizing that we need His presence. There's nothing without Him. Have we been broken before the Lord over our own sin, including sins of omission? You see, our sin doesn't necessarily have to be something we've done proactively, but sometimes it's something we've done or left undone. That's what we call the sin of omission, where we've omitted out when we know to do right and do not do it. I've mentioned in previous podcasts about the perfect law of liberty, It's not so much that we can get away with something and no one will know because God sees everything, but it's to do the right thing even when we think we can get away with doing the wrong thing. That's also true between us and God, but also we must also ask ourselves whether we're truly concerned for the welfare of other people. See, a move of God that does not lead to changed lives and lost souls coming to Christ falls short of being a true revival. A genuine revival is not a matter of hoopla or emotion or even spiritual refreshing. It's a matter of transforming individuals and then entire whole communities with the manifest presence of God. The late Dr. Richard Halverson was a chaplain of the U.S. Senate from 1981 to 1994. He also authored several books, and yet he succinctly summed up the church. He said, Christianity started in the land of Palestine in a relationship with a person, Jesus. It went to Greece and became a philosophy, went to Rome, became an institution, and went to Europe and became a culture. Then it came to America and became an enterprise. He said, we need to get back to a relationship with the person of Jesus. He's speaking to the church. The Lord will not force us to consecrate our lives, but He can surely put pressure on us to seek Him. He will do whatever it takes to get our attention. We will either surrender all to Him and birth revival by choice, or through our disobedience, 
He will allow judgments or shakings and circumstances to come into our lives to get our attention. You see, we will go to our knees to seek Him either by choice or by circumstance and shakings. Therefore, we must lay aside anything that hinders us individually and then corporately. We cannot give in to our fears and insecurities that are engaged in the blame game. This is not a time to play games with God. We all know His Word states that everything that can be shaken will be shaken until only that which cannot be shaken would remain, Hebrews 12, 26-27. Although it's never God's desire to bring destruction, He wants our total devotion. He desires to possess the thrones of our hearts because He knows that's what's the best for us and how He can bless us in the greatest measure. When the Lord breathes His life in us and through us, nothing can stop His impact in our lives and in our communities. How will we withstand the wind and the shakings that come in life? It all depends on the condition of our heart and our soul. But hang on. I believe three things will take place during the shaking. For one, those who have left their first love relationship with the Lord will find themselves in a situation of shaking so that they can return to God's merciful, loving hand. See, obstacles in the way of the gospel will always be removed, such as people or ministries that are cosmetic only. Jesus told a parable about a landowner who came seeking fruit on his fig tree, but found none. From a distance, the fig tree probably had plenty of leaves and must have appeared capable of bearing figs. But as the owner approached, he was disappointed that there were no figs. You can read this in Luke chapter 13, verse 6 through 9. If those who produce only leaves but no fruit refuse to repent, God replaced them with those who are preaching the pure gospel and bearing genuine fruit. Because I've shared in a previous podcast, I won't unpack that particular scripture more at this time. I do want to pause, though, and remember this, that when he saw far off that fig tree, and when he came and found no figs on it, it goes on to say in scripture, it was not the season of figs. So at first I was confused, thinking, why would you curse a fig tree that was not bearing fruit if it was not the season for figs? But you see, there is a thing called a tox, a T-A-K-S-H, on a fig tree that will bear fruit. It's an edible nodule that even out of season can still be used as edible food or nutritious food even out of season. In other words, he could tell that that particular fig tree without this edible nodule would never bear fruit. For me, it brings in a whole new meaning of the scripture that says to be in season and out of season. When my life is surrendered to the Lord, I may not feel qualified. I may not feel like I'm a great witness or minister for the Lord, But if our lives are surrendered to the Lord in authentic humility and transparent before the Lordship of Jesus Christ, our lives will continue to bear fruit even out of season. In other words, God is always working on us and pruning us and helping us so we can bear fruit that remains. Now getting back to the shaking, because God does want to bring revival by choice, but sometimes it comes by circumstance. See, during the shakings, God also wants to restore those who feel forsaken or alone. Those who may have served the Lord with sincerity and integrity, fighting the good fight and loving God's people, yet have become weary while doing good. We see that in Galatians 6, 9. Those who've been faithful through all the trials and have kept their stand for God's righteousness, I believe will receive blessings to carry the gospel and yet also to experience a great outpouring of God's spirit. See, beyond the shaking is the promise and the hope set before us. 
We must pray for our ministers and leaders as they undergo relentless attacks during shakings because pressure magnifies. We must pray for the body of Christ as well. This is not a day to give up on the church or on yourself. And it's certainly not a day to give up on the Lord. Instead, it's a day for us to get on our knees and seek the Lord for His outpouring of abounding, amazing, and great grace. I believe He is raising up people who want to see a true outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It will not be limited to any one crusade or meeting or church, but the Holy Spirit will move through individuals, ministries, and churches that are prepared. God is looking for a people who are hungry for His character and a deeper relationship with Him, a people who pursue holiness over happiness. He will shake anything in our lives that distracts us from Him, so we must seek Him with all our hearts and press into Him as never before. Isaiah wrote, Arise, shine, for your light has come. That's Isaiah 60, verse 1. Though we know the light of the Lord is going to get brighter, the following verse also reads, Darkness shall cover the earth. As God's light gets brighter, darkness will get darker. Yet God will pour out His great wonders in the midst of it all. Joel chapter 2, verse 30 and 31 says, I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. As God pours out His Spirit, we're also going to see an onslaught of the enemy. We must be prepared, let go of old ways, and become lovers of truth so we'll not be deceived by the schemes and the temptations of the evil one. Scripture warns of false prophets in the last days and predicts that many people will even reject the truth because they want their ears tickled. They want to hear only what makes them feel good. No matter how uncomfortable the truth may make us feel, may we love it more than life itself. Love the truth, for it is the truth that sets us free, as we read in John chapter 8, verse 32. We also need to be planted in the household of faith when the dark gets darker. We're instructed in Scripture not to forsake the fellowship of the saints, and this will all be the more crucial in the days preceding the return of Christ. We see this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. We must care for one another, helping our brothers and sisters in their maturing processes, believers, young and old alike. And likewise, we must be prepared of heart to help those and others to find shelter under the wings of the Almighty. The prophet Joel said, It shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Joel chapter 2, verse 32. Peter quotes this very same verse in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, as does Paul in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Joel continues, For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. Deliverance can only come as an outcome of the salvation of the Lord. God wants to bring salvation, healing, and deliverance to our lives and to the lives of those He will redeem during this great outpouring. We cannot separate the term salvation and deliverance, for with salvation comes deliverance. That is the hope for our lives and for the multitudes who are still in the valley of decision. The Lord is calling people to Himself. We may love to hear about revival, revivals of the past, and or even revival happening for others. But don't we also long to see a mighty outpouring of God's Spirit in our own lives, just like the days of Pentecost? Scripture says, Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Joel 2 verse 17. Who are the priests referred to here? 
I believe it's also us because in 1 Peter 2.9 it says that we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. We must be the people who know how to weep between the porch and the altar. We must stand between the living and the dead and stop the plague of sin that we see all around us. How was the plague stopped? As I was considering Numbers chapter 16, especially verse 48, about how Moses and Aaron stood between the living and the dead, they began to cry out to God in intercession on behalf of the people. And for us, by personal repentance and revival, which brings personal refreshing, we can be those who stand with the centers of intercession between us and God on behalf of those all around us. At that place of personal brokenness in our lives, the plague of sin, I believe, can be stopped in people's lives around us. It's not about us just going and telling people what's wrong. It's about us letting the life of Christ manifest His presence in us so that it can be manifest through us. People are looking and longing for answers. I remember many years ago, David Wilkerson was sharing with me that many of us want to preach a message out of God's Word, but if we have not first wept between the porch and the altar on behalf of those that we were getting ready to minister to, and it's a privilege to be called by God to minister to people, and yet if we have not wept between the porch and the altar on behalf of those that we're getting ready to minister to, then we are falling far short of God's intention to bring His outpouring of grace and mercy, salvation and healing and deliverance to those in which we're ministering to. We're not to be clones of modern-day Christianity, but we are to be imitators of Christ. How can we minister a word from intellectual knowledge or from just getting some scriptures when God is calling us to bring the very essence of His presence? I've shared with you before out of 2 Corinthians 2.14 that we give thanks to God who always leads us in triumph or victory through Christ Jesus so we can become dispensers of the fragrance of heaven. People need the presence of God. Salvation, healing, liberation, and deliverance do not come through man, through us. It comes through God himself. We are just the conduits. We are the vessels that God gives us the privilege to be used by him to bring the presentation of the gospel, the good news, because when Jesus is high and lifted up, all will be drawn unto him. And again, as Apostle Paul said, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Getting back to the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 17. Joel issued a charge to the ministers to cry out to the Lord, saying, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations would rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? You see, the world is desperate to see that what Christians have is the real deal, is authentic and genuine. As tragedies are reported on the nightly news all over the world, people are awaiting the church's response. Faced with fires, riots, murders, economic crashes, pandemics, and pestilence, and more and more, people are wondering, where is your God? We must show them by manifesting His glory and power in the midst of the difficulties in which we are living. I believe we are living on borrowed time. I'm going to say that again. I have been saying for years, and I believe this with all my heart, we've been living on borrowed time. Those who are producing fruit will be pruned so they will produce even more and better fruit. And those who are not producing fruit will be removed aside to make room for those who will. I'm a little bit reticent and reluctant to say what I'm about to say, but I'm quoting Romans chapter 11, verse 22. 
God will show us both his goodness and his severity because sometimes there is mercy in judgment. It begins with us. In other words, those outside the realms of the church must see the love and the power of God in action through living, breathing temples of the Holy Spirit. That's you and me. Our preaching will have more impact when our message is something we actually live. When we go forth as witnesses for Christ, walking in the love of God, then we will see God manifest His presence with signs and wonders and miracles that follow. Yes, revival will come by choice or by circumstances. It's time for us in the church for a soul-searching and a corporate heart awakening for revival in the land. And it will come by choice, circumstance, or consequence. Isn't it better to have a heart awakening than a rude awakening? Our nation and the nations of the world are at a critical juncture and crossroads on many, many fronts. And if our nation's broken cisterns and foundations are to be fixed, then we, the church, must awaken our hearts individually and corporately and get back to our spiritual moorings and biblical principles. Psalm 11 verse 3 says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Let me just say this. Our foundations have surely been cracked, but in the Lord there's nothing impossible for Him. And today, if you have prayer requests or praise reports you'd like to share with us, you can email prayer at somebodycares.org. You can also call or text the 24-hour Somebody Cares prayer line, 855-459-CARE. Again, that number is 855-459-CARE. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.